Welcome, welcome, welcome to yet another episode of Chazak's Torah Talks. Tonight we have with us Rabbi Moshe Tapshli. The Rabbi, how you doing? Welcome. Baruch Hashem. It's such a, a cover to be here. Ah, Baruch Hashem, it's great to have you. It's uh, been a while we've been discussing making this happen. This is true. And we're really, really excited. It's and a sign that perseverance always works out in the end. Baruch Hashem. Chaz Hashem. Thank you, Hashem. So tonight's topic, Rabbi, is don't just count the days we're in the middle of Sefirat, don't worry, but make the days count. And before we get to tonight's exciting topic, Rabbi, we have a custom the minute to ask the Rabbi a little bit about the great work that you're involved with and what you do. And I know you have a lot of hats, so. <laughs> All black. Interesting. <laughs> um, good one. I'm in Queens now. I grew up in Toronto. My wife as well grew up in Toronto. Uh, I'm going to give you the full background. Yeah, please. Uh, after I got married, skipping all yeshiva, I moved to Lakewood. And from Lakewood... You went to yeshiva? <laughs> Hashem. Okay. From the fortunate ones, born into Yehadis and Torah. Very lucky. F-F-B-A-B. Something to have in mind for all those that were born from, when you say modem every morning. Uh, from Lakewood... Modani or modem? Modem, what did I say? Modem. Yeah, modem, modem, modem. Modani, interestingly enough, is not even a Pasuk in the Torah, it's not a Pasuk in Tanakh, not a Medrash. Modani was composed about 400 years ago. That's a story for a different time. Right. You still say it every day, but... Uh, uh, from Lakewood, I accepted a position in Rabbanus. I stumbled into Rabbanus in Buffalo, New York. So in Buffalo, was it's one of the last bastions of old-style, old-school Rabbanus where you deal with Gittin, you run the Kashras, you run the Shtut. And it's a tremendous amount of responsibility, but it's a great learning experience. Uh, we lived there for 12 years. Oh, wow. Uh, when we arrived, we came with one child. When we left, we came to Queens with five. Oh, Hashem, uh, took, uh, took a position in Young Israel Hollisport here in Queens, near Jamaican States. Wonderful shul. Uh, exciting shul. Growing shul. Uh, in addition to that, I am the Menahel and Tells Riverdale. I teach locally in Queens at the Shevach Beis Yaakov High School. Sorry. Teach seniors halacha and hashkafa and tenth grade. I'm also the rabbinic editor and weekly columnist at Ami Magazine. Wow. Unbelievable. Rabbi, uh, when do you have time to sleep or if you do? <laughs> Unbelievable. Rabbi has many hats, like I told you, and uh, it's great to have you at the Chazak Torah Talks program. So, like was mentioned, tonight's topic is making the days count. So, Rabbi, what, what what's the whole thing about Sefer Yat Omer? What's, what's the story behind it? What's going on over here? Fill us in. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about it. Sefer Yat has this dichotomy, because on the one hand, it's this anticipatory countdown towards... Countdown. Count up to what's a whole different Sodia, right? Now it is backwards towards the Sina Satara. I mean, we left Mitzrayim. You know, you run for two reasons. You run away from something and you run towards something. And the Yitzhak Mitzrayim was both. We were running from Parai, from Abdus, from slavery, from Pharaoh, from Egypt, and to Harsina, to Mount Sinai, to the Sina Satara, to the getting of the Torah. It gave the running a dual purpose. So it's very exciting. Just as an aside, I'll point out, on the anticipatory section of Sefer Salomon, we count down. I remember the first time I went to Disney World. Eschat <laughs> Oyani um, I was 11, 12 years old, and I was so excited. Maybe I was younger. I was six or seven. And I was counting down the days. And the morning of Disney World, right? So it's 10 days, nine days, eight days. What did I say? Today's the day. You would think 50 days. The date of Shavuos, the calendar date's not given in the Torah. Right? It's just based on our counting. You would think... 
Day 1, day 2, day 11, 26, 35, 48, 49. You would think on Shavuos, you would say, Hayoyim yoyim chamishim We don't say anything. We'll get back to that in a second. That's one element of this anticipation, this anticipation and this excitement. And then, you have Avelos, you have mourning. The death of the students at Rabbi Akiva. And it's like oil and water. It, it's a very bizarre time. You don't know how you don't know how to feel. Mixed emotions, like happy, sad, right? Right, and why now? Why would we create such a minute during this time? It seems like Tarti the Sasri, two contradictory ideas at the same time. And really they're not. And the Saramakadoshim tell us they're not. Uh Kabmilatairu. The students are Rabbi Akiva. First of all, for the listeners, it's very hard for us to relate for the death. 12,000, 24,000. Used to be, we would think it's an exaggeration. How could a yeshiva have? Now today, Lakewood Mir, we have yeshivas that are this big. But how do you relate to that? We have to remember something. One of the greatest tragedies of the Holocaust, 6 million Jews is number one, of course. But we have to remember the cures for cancer that may have been killed in Auschwitz. The Torah, the Svarim that went up in smoke in the gas chambers. The amount of Masechdes, Mishnayis that we're missing today is tremendous. Dafayemi, instead of taking it every once every seven and a half years, could be much longer. There could be great drushes of Madrush that we're missing. So we don't even know what we're missing. And that's it's like the story of the soldier by the Six Day War who was raised in Haifa, didn't know anything, didn't know who Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were. And they get to the Kosel by the Six Day War. They, they got the old city yeah. and the soldiers are crying and he's crying too. And the, the, his lieutenant says to him and says, Habibi, you, what do you relate to this? Why are you crying? And he said, I'm crying because I don't know why to cry. So we're oh, actually, wow. that's the reason why we're sad. But back to the question, the duality. They didn't treat each other respectfully. These were the greatest of the generation and still it wasn't enough. They learned 18 hours a day. 18 hours a day and it still wasn't enough. So, you know, today we're winning the war. I was on a plane from Orlando a few months a few months ago, my wife elbows me. She usually does because I did something wrong. But this time, <laughs> she, she wanted me to look behind me. And there was a father on the plane ride. He wasn't dressed yeshivish, you know, blue shirt. Uh, and the entire plane, four hours, is learning with his son. You know, we won the war. Wow. That feeling, 100,000 people. But now we have to turn to Chesed. To Kiddush Hashem. To true Abbas Yisrael. We talk about it. You know, look at the Chavetz Chaim Heritage Foundation. What they did for Lashon Hara. I remember, I still remember when people used to speak Lashon Hara. I'm old enough to remember. They used to do that? They used to. Really? Before the pictures of the Chavetz Chaim <laughs> went on the telephone. But there are, now we have to move on to other things. You know, it's interesting. So I think that speaks to the duality. And, and what our focus is. We have to be excited for Torah. And if we're not excited, cry that you're not excited. We have to mourn for the death of these 24,000. And the fact that we don't know why we're mourning is a reason to cry. And we have to recognize why they mesh. We need Torah, we need Chesed. Someone asked me in my shul, uh, five years ago, in, in Holliswood, he said, um, why did Rabbi Akiva's students die? So I said, what do you mean? Right. He goes, no, no, no. There were thousands of yeshivas throughout Jewish history. The students of Beishamai didn't treat each other this way. Was there something wrong in the soup? Students of Beishelo didn't treat themselves this way. In Yavna, they didn't treat. In Velazhin, they didn't. What was wrong in the air in that yeshiva? I said, oh, you can't ask such a question. How do we know? But I couldn't get the question out of my head. It is a good question. What? We have to learn from it. Right. 
And I was thinking about it and thinking about it. And I, I came up with an answer I'll share with you and your audience. Tell me what you think. Sure. It might be controversial, but I think it's Emma's. People are I think it's Emma's. <laughs> I once said over by a shepherd broch. It doesn't sound like a shepherd broch anymore, but I think it worked. Um, Rabbi Akiva hated, he was always from. People think he was a Balchuva. He was a Balchuva, but he was always Shemesh Shams. He just hated scholars. Mm. He, he used to tell his students that before I was a scholar myself, I would want to bite into a scholar like a donkey. They said, a donkey? Why not a dog? He says, because a donkey gets into the bones. Mm. <laughs> but Rachel ben Yosef, but Rachel ben Abbas Kabbalah saw something in him. And she married him, and her father disowned her. Very wealthy family. They were so poor, they would pull each other's hair out for fuel and, and stuffing for the pillows. Had nothing. He went to learn yeshiva. Tzagetnish didn't go well. Finally, he went for a long period of time and he, he was growing. We all know the story, right? He comes back. It's Gemara Nadarim. Uh, as the Journey song says, I'll gladly give a dozen more. He goes back. It's 24 years later. She was a nobody. She was probably collecting money outside of, of the store Eric shot. And now he's the Gadol Hadar. And he comes to town. Everybody comes to greet him. And the Gemara says, she went to see her husband. They push her away. There's nobody. Get out of here. And he says, stop. Everything that I have, turning to the students, everything that you have, it's all hers. What does it have to do with Sira? That's the answer. This was the first yeshiva that the yeshiva and the wife and how they interact wasn't witnessed by the students. The Rebetzin wasn't there. Not wasn't their fault. You know how much I learned by eating dinner with my Rosh When I read a book for Ramesha Feinstein, I can never, about a biography of him, I can never become Ramesha. His Midos I could follow. His Torah I can't. But Midos I can. To see uh, 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 Rav and his Rebetzin interact on an interpersonal level is something that Yeshiva missed. And it's it's something that's very important. And I, I think that's maybe one of the ingredients why that yeshiva suffered so. But that's Sphira, and that's the duality of Sphira and part of the messaging. Powerful, 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 powerful rabbi, unbelievable. So we all know we're very particular. Everyone, you know, rightfully so about uh, what was yesterday and what's the number and, uh, you know, making sure we're counting the right days. Sorry, sorry, before I, <laughs> yeah, please. My wife showed me a video on, there are 100,000 Jews in Orlando. This Pesach. So they oh, say, they did a I mean, they went to line. Ah, who knows? They made up the number out of a hat. But it could be true. Anyway. A lot of Jews. So on the plane rides back, JetBlue, Southwest, they got a lot of the flight attendants to announce. Uh, everybody put in the seatbelts. We'll be there three hours, 62 minutes. And yesterday was the eight day sphere. Yeah. And everybody was videoing and laughing because the whole plane was, was Jews. Yeah. I was laughing because this non-Jewish woman doesn't have to say what last night was, <laughs> what yesterday <laughs> was. It's okay. She can still count with the broker, even if <laughs> she says right. the, the proper thing. Sorry. Go so, so, so the question was about being particular about the days, but how do we make sure we're particular about, like we said, and the topic is not just counting, making those days count and making sure that we grow. It, it, it's such a great question, especially coming after Pesach. emotional and uh, psychological diseases are very important, so I'm not making light. I mean this sincerely, and the uh, the, uh, the Stipler Gohn wrote about this in his letters to the famous psychiatrist in Muncie. It is very hard to diagnose, for example, OCD over Pesach, because I don't know if someone is very particular in halacha or they're going through a psychological crisis. I don't know. And uh, so, for example, speaking of what our focus should be, 
On Pesach, I always tell people as an example, there's certain things you don't have to clean for Pesach. Spring cleaning is a non-Jewish right, concept. It probably came from us, but it's a non-Jewish concept. <laughs> so if you have like a heavy break front, an oven, unless you know there's some edible chametz behind, you don't have to move it and clean behind it. So uh, someone said to me, but what if my husband's very makbid? So I said, that's fine. He's allowed to be machmir, and you should show him where their cleaning supplies <laughs> are kept. I said, if you want to take on a chumrah, maybe start with davening mincha with kavam. There, there are very important priorities in life. So when it comes to sphira, there are very real halachas. And, you know, I, I was reading from Rebelski, Rebelski once took Camp Masifta, uh, the Masifta boys of Camp Ogudda to Niagara Falls. I used to see him in Buffalo. We used to get so many tourists, especially in the summer, that his group of Masmidim would come through. So he'd go to Niagara Falls, and they were riding on the Maid of the Mist, and they said, Rebbe, Shiva, what should we be thinking now? So he said, if you're a Litvak, you should be thinking, are these waters kosher for a mikvah? <laughs> if you're a Hasidish, you should be thinking, are the waters singing Shira by falling down? If you're a Baal Musr, you should be thinking the waters may make a lot of noise on top, but down below they're silent. So there are different levels. So on Sphira, if you're a Litvak, you all have to be, you know, what's the old joke? There was a Litvak, he loved his wife so much he almost told her. So, but there, there's an important for a certain coldness of halacha. That's a part of Yiddishkeit, a, a vital part of Yiddishkeit. So halacha is very important. But the Ramban says, uh, the Lashon Shir Shirma, I forget the exact Lashon of the, of, of the Pasuk, but Ava with the word Chayfetz, that the only way love is true is if you walk away with a Chayfetz, with something. You know, you go through a Yomtev, and it shouldn't be something that just passes through you. You have to come away with something, something tangible. So the Halachas are Ehechatimtza, they are a pretext. Do it right. Don't make a Brachal Batalo. Speak to a Rav if you'd said it too late. But now that you did it, now what do you do with it? What do you do with it? Otherwise, it's like, you know, people have iPhones today. I don't think they know what it's capable of. You know, they use it for texting and answering phone calls. Maybe it's better they use it just for that. But it, it probably could drive our cars. I probably could fly back and forth to work. I don't even know how it works. And that's what just focusing on the halacha alone and not taking a chayfetz with you. So I think we have to be, it's the anticipation. And, and the buildup, the crescendo of 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 Nesina Satur. And by the way, the question of why we don't say day 50. That's the trick. That's when Hashem pulls the rug from under us. We get so excited, so excited to find out that this is the day for Hashem to tell us, I got you every day of the day. <laughs> There's never a moment that you've arrived. In fact, Hirsch says uh, in his parish Halatayra, why is it that Shavuos is the only day that doesn't have a date in the calendar? In the Torah. In the, in the Torah, excuse me. is because there shouldn't be a date associated with getting Torah. Well, wow. any, 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 any moment of your life, there's never a time that it's too late. It's never too late. Anybody can be anything at any time. Powerful. Which is, Powerful. by the way, the story of Rabbi Akiva himself. And you think about how much the students of Rabbi Akiva and him relate to the story of Sphere. Rabbi Akiva is someone, and think about what Rabbi Akiva did afterwards. That's talking about never giving up. Here he is. Lost 24,000. Lost 24,000. Biggest yeshiva. And he could have said, that's it. I'm out. I'm out. I'll become the editor of the new art scroll, uh, <laughs> Aramaic, translating from the Aramaic. And Gnugshan. He started fresh, by the way. Unbelievable. I believe, that, I believe that's what Lagbaimer is. No, in Ashkenazim, never heard of Lagbaimer. Hasidim and Sardim. Mishaburu says he has no idea why we celebrate it. My theory has always been it's not about Lag Ba'imah. It's about the date that it always falls. Yud Ches. 
Yud Chesir was the day that Noyach got off the table, had to rebuild when he thought everything was lost. And Yud Chesir was a day that Rabbi Kiva had to get up in the last Shiva wow. and rebuild. No matter how old we are, no matter what destruction we wrought, every relationship could be repaired, every friendship could be repaired, every family relationship could be repaired, etc. And our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch There's never an end to our story. As long as we're alive and breathing, anything is possible. That's fear of, of both sides. Of the Akiva and the Torah. Never give up. What a powerful message. Love it. Amazing. And it's very, very apropos because, unfortunately, a lot of people are going through a lot of different things. Uh, you know, we know it being involved with the community and uh, never give up relationships. God Almighty, for sure not. So, Rabbi Tal, we have this amazing so many gems, by the way. So many amazing, you know, here and there and everywhere. Fastballs. But if you give us one final message, Grand Slam, to take home for our broad audience right now. A message? A story. A story. Uh, everybody loves a story. Oh, my wife always story. tells me, if I tell this is a good part for this event, she says, just, just say a story. Just say a story, you're good. <laughs> you can't lose. My wife is a, is a great miyayat. Uh, I remember once, it was a horrible tragedy when I was in Buffalo, and I decided that the Reformed Conservative and Orthodox are going to get together in my shul, and we're going to say Tehillim. And I was going to introduce Tehillim to them. And I, I was thinking, I had all these ideas, Rabbi I had all these uh, machinations in my head, what am I going to say? And my wife said the most brilliant thing. She says, here's what you should say. Everybody here has a different sinner. In fact, among the Orthodox too. But there's one book that there's one Nusach. That's the hill. Wow. Even what we've been saying today, we said in Warsaw, we said in Aleppo during the raids, we said in uh, Spanish Inquisition, we said Tach Vitat by the pogroms. It's the one thing he said. So my wife is right. I always say a story. So I'll tell you a quick story. Just for the record, I also get advice from my wife. She actually tells me what to say also. She doesn't agree with it. <laughs> my wife usually tells me what not to say. <laughs> um, Amazing story. Yeah, we love stories. So, so I, I'll, I'll, this is, I don't know if this is the best story, a good story, not a good story. It just, it just happened. I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> It just, it just happened. Um, I was sitting by a bar mitzvah a few days before Pesach. That, the story behind that bar mitzvah is its own story, within a story, within a story. But sitting next to Chassidish, a fellow from Bar Park, uh, 35 years old, younger, and it was schmoozing. And the topic of the Holocaust somehow came up, and it became very apparent to me that this fellow was proficient in the Holocaust's history almost at the academic level. So I asked him, how did you get into the Holocaust? I said, well, my grandparents were survivors. I said, oh, they must have talked. He said, no. Not only did they not talk about it, I once asked my grandfather, and he was still alive, to tell me about life in Europe. The next morning, my grandmother walks into the breakfast room and screams out to all the kids, who spoke to Zayda about Europe? And we were all afraid. Do you know Zayda was up screaming in his sleep last night? Oh, wow. So he never talked about it. Zayda was nifter. And he found an old pair of bloody tzitzes. And he asked his mother, what are these? And his mother told him this story that I'm going to share with you. Um, his mother told him that when the Germans and the Polish Jews arrived in Auschwitz, they were already prepared. There was Kristallnacht, as prepared as you could be. There were ghettos, they knew what was going on. By that time, they were gaunt, poor, stripped dirty. When the Hungarian Jews were brought, they were. They came with mean coats. No really. Yeah, they came with Ferme bags, you know, the fancy clothes. They didn't know what, what was happening. It was very sad, very painful, because they went from zero to a hundred like that. 
his new bunkmate in Auschwitz just came from Hungary. He's fully dressed with the Hamburg and the Gansa Lavush. And he says, the grandfather says to him, tell me, do you have tzitzes on? Says, of course I have tzitzes on. Because I haven't worn tzitzes in three years. Could I just make a brach on your tzitzes? He says, sure. He takes off his tzitzes. And he gives it to him. And this, see the Shagai at the Bar Mitzvah, tell me, my grandfather got so, got such a slavo, such excitement, that he made the bracha very loud. Asher Kiddush! And he puts on the tzitzes. He's crying, he's so happy. Little did he know, in his excitement, he got a Nazi guard running down the hall, sees him, and starts, he's telling me, beating up my zebra, beating him, beating him to a pulp. The guy leaves, the Nazi Yimachshamay leaves. My Zayda, after 10 15 minutes, gets up. He still had tears in his eyes. Takes off the tzitzis. And he says to the Hungarian Jew, I just want to thank you. And the Hungarian Jew says, I'm not, I'm not taking those after what I just saw. Oh. And my Zayda, the fellow said, kept them hidden for the next couple of years until liberation. And I could show you afterwards a picture that he has of these tzitzis. These tzitzis. And I was thinking to myself, why is it that in such darkness they sacrifice so much? And why is it in such freedom we find it so difficult? And, you know, we talk about these stories not to make us sad, but to, to give us a tremendous amount of chizuk. Tremendous amount of chizuk, what people were able to do in darkness. And I'll tell you all in with the story that Weiss um, Mandel, this same point, who survived and escaped and spent every ounce of sweat trying to save Yidin. He died in the footsteps of his yeshiva in the mountains here with a heart attack because he thought he can save one more life. One more life. When his fourth son, he lost four children in, in Europe. When his fourth son knew of his new family was born here, he said by the bris, May these children sanctify Hashem in this world. Like we say in Kedusha. Like my first sanctified God in the other world. We have, and the listeners should know, that the Svarim tell us, like Noah, we are as holy as Avram. You keep Shabbos in this generation, the challenges aren't easy. You are as holy as Avram. You fight that Yitzhahara, what, what that is, you know, the listener knows, I know, you know. It's all personal. We're like Avram Avinu. So I'm not trying to belittle it, make it, make it uh, that it's easy. It's not easy. It's a challenge, but we should remember the generation that we're following continue in their footsteps like Kazakh is and have a meaningful halachic and meaningful sphere of soul. Wow, what a powerful, powerful message, Rabbi Tal. The story was out of this world. Very, very inspiring. And uh, like the Rabbi said it, you know, don't just count the days, make the days. Every single moment, let's grow, let's 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 uh, let's work on ourselves, let's become better people. And uh, please take these messages to heart. And encourage family, friends, neighbors for the message to the world because it was such a powerful message by Rabbi Talshia. Thank you very much, Rabbi Tal. Thank you. Thank you. Listen. Thank you to the world. Thank you to Rabbi and Natan and Natan and Rahman and the whole Chazak team and staff. We want to remind everyone every single Tuesday next Chazak Torah talks with special guest rabbis. And we want to give a shout out to Torrent Time Daily Giving and uh, all those that are involved with uh, making this amazing uh, uh, podcast program uh, talk uh, happen. Thank you once again, Rabbi Tal. And we shall all see each other with the Gulish Tim and the Community Redemption speeding our days. Amen. Amen.